You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Mark. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. Everybody say, Father God, your grace is sufficient for me. Amen. You know, uh, one of the graces we didn't cover and aren't going to cover is because I covered it a lot before I did start the series. But there's a grace called standing grace. And that grace is necessary if you're going to resist the devil. Yeah, you resist the devil steadfast in the faith, right? Isn't that what Peter said by the Holy Ghost? How do you resist the devil? Steadfast in the faith. But James says in James chapter 4, verse 6, it talks about how you receive this grace. You humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and you resist the devil. Remember what Jesus said to the Lord said to Paul when he was going through trouble. How many know that Paul went through a few things? You know, I know you're not supposed to compare yourself among yourself, but if you compared yourself to Paul, you know, I remember a few years I was going through something, and I felt like if I ever came face to face with Paul, he'd say, toughen up, buttercup. Um, Because, you know, uh, I've never bobbed up and down in the ocean. I never knew that everywhere I went, where who I thought was a friend was going to get me. Right? He either caused, he, he had a lot of revival, but he also had a lot of riots. But what did the Lord say to him? He said, It's good enough, right? My grace, and a lot of people believe in the world that what a lot of church people believe God is saying to him, you know, it's going to be all right. Just hang on, endure. You know, uh, this will all be gone some sweet old day. But that's not what he said. He said, My power, my grace to stand in, it's enough. In other words, what I've done is enough. What I've done is enough for you to have victory. Everybody shout victory. Hallelujah. Now, the Lord said this to us in December. And again, I was just sitting there again. He said, remind them what I said about grace. So I was like, okay, we should have just read the whole prophecy again. But he said, for my grace you shall walk in. Everybody say, I'm walking in the grace of God. He said, my grace you shall stand in. Everybody say, I'm standing in the grace of God. And then he said, you will surely see my great and mighty hand. Well, the Bible says in James 4, 10, that if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he'll do what? Exalt you. Come on. In my grace, you'll walk in. In my grace, you'll stand. And surely you will see my mighty hand. Why? Because you're under it. And when you're under the hand of God, he will exalt you in due season. Come on, this is your season, and grace is important, and that is God's side. And so we've been looking at it, and we're going to continue to look at it because he said it's important. When we were praying, uh, away praying, he just said grace is important for this season. It's so important that I'm going to be ministering it to the ministers in Chile because the Lord told me that they have to have some of what we're sharing in a little different way, but it's important for the hour that you've come into to understand everything that God has done for you. And grace is God's side, and you can't do it. So last week we looked at grace to be rich. So our, Pastor Robert was trying to get you all uh, understanding who you are. But are you rich? Are you rich? What does that mean? I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. I'm blessed. I'm high. It's not just money. It's not just money. I'm blessed. I'm blessed to be a blessing, and I'm highly favored. The same favor that surrounded Jesus surrounds me. Come on, goodness and mercy are following me everywhere all the days of my life. Listen, I didn't decide this, but I decide if I receive this. 
Jesus, Father God, Jesus got together and decided, let's not just save them and bring them to heaven, but while they're on earth, let's give them a taste of heaven while they're there. Come on, Deuteronomy says, days of heaven upon the earth. Come on, Jesus said, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, everything on the earth, how many of you know God's not in charge of the earth? Oh, you didn't like that? No, he said, he said heavens, the heavens are the Lord, but the earth he's given to the sons of men. God's not in charge down here. I know religion would tell you is. Listen, you can, it's simple. A four-year-old can figure this out. If God's in charge down here, he, he's not doing a good job. I know, oh my goodness. This is first service. I can't wait till I say that second service. No, 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 listen to me. Satan is the God of this world. He's not my God, and he's not your God. Why did Jesus pray, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Is there any crime in heaven? Any plagues? Anybody fighting? Segment against segment. Um, language group against language group. Culture against culture. Why? Because God's in charge. You live in the earth, but you have authority here. And what is that from? Grace. He's, grace has made you blessed to be a blessing, but grace has also given you a place to stand in that you can resist the God of this world. But one of the things you got to do is get the blinders off of your eyes. Any religious stuff that you've been taught about, you know, well, it's all up to God. It's not up to God. It's up to you and I walking in this grace or receiving this grace that God has offered you. Has God offered you this ability to get wealth? This power to get wealth. Have people abused it? Yes. But you know what? Again, um, I know people have been run over with a car, but I'm still going to drive mine. Because it's transportation to me. It's not a weapon. Right? And, I, and again, just so, some of you need this this morning. You know, cologne. Cologne is good, but don't overdo it. Right? Right? So, so this is the deal, though. So grace is important, and that's grace's side of things. Okay, let's just dig in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. Today we're going to talk about uh, what the Bible has to say about the warnings concerning grace, and then we're going to talk about also how to, um, uh, the encouragements of grace. So we're going to talk about the warnings, and then we're going to end up in the encouragement. So we're going to look at uh, some things. So 2 Corinthians 6, 1, King James says, we then, as workers together with him, Beseech you also that you not receive the grace of God in vain. So the grace of God, grace is God's side, and he's given it to us. And the Bible says, be careful. The warning is, don't receive the grace of God in vain. Others say, to, to um, Amplified says, to no purpose. It, the New Living says, ignoring the grace of God. The Good News says, let it be wasted. Another one says, don't squander the grace of God. So one of the things about all kinds of, and, and sometimes, Sometimes when, the, when these warnings are there, they're speaking about a, per, uh, a, a, a specific type of grace, whether it's saving grace. Are you glad that grace was available before you get saved? Serving grace. Are, 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 come on. Are you using the grace God has given you to serve one another? Amen. All right, all right, that grace on the inside. I'm not going to argue with you all today. If you want to be depressed, just be depressed. Third kind of grace is grace to be rich. You got that one? 
Are you, got, you got living grace? Yes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we got these graces, and yet the Bible warns that says you can receive that grace in vain. And so we got to make sure that grace is available. God's amazing grace is available. And, and, and it's available for us to receive, but we don't want to receive it in vain. In other words, we don't know how to, how to apply it. We don't know how to receive it. We don't know how to work with it. What is grace? Grace is God's side. But you and I as human beings, we always try to work for things. And you and I have gotten past the place, I hope, where you're working for your salvation. Have you gotten past that? How many of you know you, there's nothing you can do to be saved except for receive the Lord and his finished work? Well, there's, when I receive serving grace, I realize what God has called me to do, and I give it corresponding actions. I give it obedience, but the power to serve comes from God. If I do it in my own flesh, then I'm receiving it in vain. The power, uh, the grace to, be, to make you rich. There is God's side and that grace, that power, old covenant power, New Testament grace has made, that's available, but you've got to receive it by faith and cooperate with the grace that's on your life. Cooperate with the grace. Yes, you've got to work so you can eat. Yes, you've got to put your hands to something. Yes, everything you put your hand to is blessed, but there's a grace. There's a deposit on the inside of you that you didn't earn. You didn't earn it. God gave it. God, you didn't earn it. You didn't get good enough for it. You're not, you, 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 it's from God and you've got to cooperate with it. Amen. And this is living grace that we can live free from whatever the devil's doing, but trying to do. Amen. I'm going to walk in the spirit. That's by grace. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, yes, I've got to have obedience, but it's God's power, not my power. It's, come on, it's not willpower. It's God's power. Amen. So everybody say, I'm not going to receive the grace of God in vain. Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20. Read it to you first out of the King James. Um, Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Are you? Nevertheless, I live. Are you all alive? Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Verse 21, I do not frustrate the grace of God. I'm not going to frustrate the grace of God. I love it best in the King James. I'm not going to frustrate the grace of God. Anytime you're frustrated, you have frustrated the grace of God. Oh, Lord. I can tell on myself a lot. Because these days, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a person who, ugh, I want things done. I want things done right. And if it's not 100%, I, I'm in the 100, I like 110%. I don't just like 100%, even myself and then everybody around me. But sometimes what we do in that, you get into a worky of it and put it back up. You do not frustrate. You're frustrating. If you're frustrated, you're not working with grace. Come on, if you're frustrated, you're not, it says, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for it is the right, for if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. So it's, it's specifically talking about people who are trying to earn their righteousness, they're frustrating the grace of God. 
You don't earn righteousness, you've been made righteous. So every grace, whether it's saving grace, whether it's serving grace, whether it's living grace, whether it's grace to be rich, is God's side. You can't earn it. You're not working for it. You're learning how to receive it. But this grace, I have access to that grace by faith. I am saved by grace through faith. I walk in grace according to the proportion, Romans 12, 6, 6 of my faith. This, this word of grace has been given to me. It's God's what, what, he's, what he's made available. I got to receive it all by faith. But I can tell if I'm doing things and I'm not walking all in all that God has given me. How? Number one, I... I well, I, I, I received it in vain. I'm trying to do it on my own again. I'm trying to do it. Because see, if there's no power in your salvation, if there's no power in your serving, if there's no power in your finances, if there, there's no power to overcome in your living, you and I are doing it on our own. And it's very easy for us to slip into that, especially in our circle. Because we, listen to me, if you're, you and I are men and women of faith, but we're accessing that grace that God has given, we're accessing what's made available. Your faith only receives something. Your, faith, your, your, your faith's not making God do anything. Your faith is receiving something that's finished. I receive my healing because it's finished. I receive my blessing because it's finished. I receive my protection because it's finished. It's done. That's why Jesus is sitting down. Now, that, you know, it, uh, Galatians 2, 20 and 21 amplified. I've been crucified with Christ. That is, in him I've shared his crucifixion. It's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. Amen. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith. Everybody say, I walk by faith. I walk by grace. I walk by faith. How? By, by adhering to, relying on, com and completely trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not ignore or nullify the gracious gift of the grace of God. I do not ignore. I do not ignore or nullify his amazing unmerited favor. For if righteousness comes through observing the law, then Christ died needlessly. His suffering and death should have had no purpose whatsoever. Aren't you glad Jesus died for you? He died. He who knew no sin became sin so you could become righteous. What is that? That is grace offering you what Jesus has provided. And so I am not going to frustrate what the Lord has provided for me. I'm going to receive it. I'm going to access it in the proportion of my faith. I'm going to grab a hold of that grace and I'm going to use it for my salvation. Not only getting born again, all that salvation is, healing, protection, doing well, everything that salvation is, I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'm going to receive, it's grace, but I'm I'm going to get it through faith. It's been made available to me. I'm not going to frustrate that. I'm going to receive it. I, it's not going to be done. In, he's, Jesus didn't do that in vain. That, that grace is not hanging out there in vain. I'm going to take it. Amen. And I'm not going to, and I'm not going to frustrate it. Amen. Then he, he also gives us this one, Galatians five and four, Galatians five and four. It says, Christ is become no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. Now this is talking about people who wanted to go back and do the, the, um, the law, you know, all the do's and all the don'ts. But how many know there are laws today that you and I are supposed to do? It's called the law of love. And it fulfills all the law. And then there's the law of faith. 
People say, well, we're not under the law. No, you're not under the law. You're under grace. But there's still laws. It's called the law of love. And if you don't walk in love, then you're not going to access the law of faith. So there are laws. What does the law mean? It just means how it works. There's the law of gravity. I don't care what you look like, what your education is, how much you weigh, you don't weigh. If you jump off the top of this building, you're going to splat. Why? It's a law. It's a law. Unless you get a jet pack, which would be cool. <laughs> kind of fun. Or a trampoline. That would be a good one. You know what I'm saying? But no, the gravity is still going to happen. It's still going to happen. It's a law. And so I want you to understand that it says Christ has become no effect to you. Well, whoever you are, you're justified the law. You're fallen from grace. So anytime, anytime we get into works, you're not allowing, you've fallen from grace. You're not allowing grace its proper place. And so you and I need to make sure that we never fall from grace. Uh, Good News Bible says you're outside of God's grace. New Living Living, uh, says you have fallen away from God's grace. The message says you fall out of grace. So, so, So you can fall out of grace, meaning that you're trying to do it on your own. But don't just think of it as salvation. Think of it as in serving. Anytime you try to do it on your own. And I want to encourage you all, listen to me. I believe we're living in the last days. What if tomorrow Jesus, the trumpet sounded and the dead in Christ raised up and you were caught up with him in the air. And the next moment you were standing at the judgment seat of Christ. I don't know what, I don't know what uh, the body of Christ is waiting on. These are the last days. I, know, I remember some of my uh, spiritual heroes, uh, uh, Dr. Lester Summerall. Some of you don't know who, he's, who he is, but um, he, he, he told someone that most of you might know, uh, Billy Brim, she used to write books for people, and she did for Dr. Summerall. And she, he told her, one thing I do to be successful is I live every day like I'm about to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And then she also did books for Brother Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagen, Sr., and one day he called her in the office, and they were talking about some things. And he said, Billy, there's one thing I do. I live every day like I'm about to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Well, those two big spiritual heroes of mine, and if that's what they do, then that's what you and I should do. How many of you know, if you know you're about to stand before the Lord and hear about what you've done in your body, it'll make you live a little way, different way. Amen. What is that, though? That's the grace that's on your life. You're only responsible for the grace on your life. You're not responsible for the grace on my life. You're only responsible for your life, right? You're only responsible for you. And as long as you're doing what God asks you to do, you're walking in that grace. You're not frustrating it. You're, you're not falling from it. You're doing it. Everybody say, I, I, um, say, I will not fall from the grace of God in my life. And then it says this um, in Hebrews chapter 10, for time's sake, we'll just look at this in the Amplified. I think this is the Amplified Classic. I'm not sure. Acts, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 through 29. Let's read the whole, just listen. For if we go on willfully and deliberately sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice to atone for our sins. That is, no further offering to anticipate. So it's talking about, um, so this is talking about people who, are, who have the light, who, 
of the truth of the word of God, they are obviously born again people. It says there no longer remains a sacrifice to atone for our sins. That is no further offering to anticipate, but a kind and awful and terrifying expectation of divine judgment and the fury and the fire of the burning uh, wrath, which uh, would consume, will consume the adversaries, those who put themselves in opposition to God. Anyone who has ignored and set aside the law of Moses is put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. So it's talking about the law, how they used to do things. And how much greater punishment do you think it will be deserve those who have rejected and trampled underfoot the Son of God and have considered unclean and common the blood of the covenant that sanctified him and have insulted the Spirit of grace? who imparts the unmerited favor and blessings of God. Of course, this is talking mostly about saving grace and people who reject the Lord Jesus Christ. What are they doing? People who on purpose reject the spirit of, because uh, in John chapter 16, it talks about the Holy Ghost has come to convict the world of one sin. The Holy Ghost is not convicting the world of adultery. The Holy, <laughs> although there's a lot of it. <laughs> The Holy Ghost is not, an unbeliever, he's not convicting them of their sin, any sexual sin. He's not convicting them of stealing. He's not convicting them of their potty mouth. He's not convicting them of their drugs. That's not what he's there to convict them of. What's he there to convict them of? What's he there to convict them of? They're um, denying the Lord Jesus Christ, Right? They're denying the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what are they doing then? They're, um, they're uh, insulting um, the spirit of grace. They're insulting the spirit of grace. And so we know that um, if, if you look at all of this, though, we need to make sure that anything that grace offers, that we are not insulting the spirit of grace. Y'all with me? We're not, we're not insulting the spirit of grace um, who imparts unmerited favor and the blessing of God. So we'll take a different one. Let's just say the grace to make you rich. So if you have it in your mind that I got to do this, this is all on me. My business success or failure is all on me. What are you doing? Insulting the spirit of grace. Even when it comes to serving, any, anything you're called to do, you have to just be careful that you don't take it all upon yourself. What is grace? Grace is God's ability. What is grace? Grace is God's favor. Yes, grace is God's um, um, uh, um, love. I mean, it's just all of who God is, it's offered to us. Let's not get in the habit of, uh, of ignoring it. Let's not get in the habit. And so, you know, God's offering this to, to the world. He's offering this free salvation that used to be by the law. And, and you know, there was judgment when you didn't do it. He, there was judgment here and later. But now he's just saying, I, I've come and I've given you all of who I am. And I come to you because, you know, the, the Spirit of God is dealing with sinners about one sin, about Jesus, and they reject him. And so what have they done? They've insulted the spirit of grace. They've insulted the spirit of grace. It'd be like somebody, you know, you and I don't like it when somebody, ins we get, try to do something nice and they, ins and they turn around and insult us. Well, you know, how much more, the, but aren't you glad the Lord is gracious and he's kind? 
but they're still insulting the spirit of grace. All right? So that's one. Um, Hebrews 12, 15. I know there's a lot of warnings in here, and we're going to get to the encouragements, but you understand, I need you to see, the Holy Ghost wants you and I to see the importance of grace and how to cooperate with it and what it looks like when someone doesn't cooperate with it. And if it, we know how it looks like when someone doesn't cooperate with it, then we would, we're going to make a determined purpose that, number one, I'm never going to receive the grace of God in vain. Everybody say it again. Say, I will not. Receive the grace of God in vain. Say, I will not frustrate the grace of God. Say this, say, I will not fall from grace. And then say this, I will never insult the spirit of grace. Amen. And so uh, this one is Hebrews 12, 15. It says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any... A root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Now, we look at the last part of that verse a lot around here because we talk a lot about walking in love. But let's look at the first part. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. So this is then talking about someone who gets a root of bitterness. How did that start? It, talked, it started with someone being in unforgiveness, didn't it? You don't get a root of bitterness by going to Walmart, Right? You don't get a root of bitterness just by, you know, going to the restaurant. You get a root of bitterness because first you decided not to forgive someone. Right? And then what is that? Well, that's a, that's a weed. That's a, and, and then that thing took root in you. And we know that when that really, that root of bitterness uh, is in someone, it begins to spring up and then many are defiled. In other words, you can tell when someone's bitter because of what they talk about all the time right? They're bitter. And they, their seed comes up and it tries to defile. That word defile is rape. It's the same word as rape. Somebody, uh, when someone is bitter, they rape those around them with their bitter words because seeds are going into their heart, which will also grow up, right? It says, look diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God. Let, so what happened was this, that when uh, an offense came, you had the grace of God to get rid of it. That's what it means. Lest any man fail. So what does that say? When, when, when someone came to offend you, whether it's personal, uh, uh, whatever's going on out there in the world, if something is trying to offend you, immediately when it came, grace also came. When it came, grace also came. Grace also came. Now, the love walk queen is sitting on the first row, so she'll tell me if I get this wrong. But I see from the word of God, too, that means, though, if you pick up somebody else's offense, if you get on someone's Facebook account and thumb up them for their offense, and you begin to take their offense, is that how it works? I don't know. I've never been on it. I don't know. You like it. I like your offense. I like your bitterness. I like your bitterness. So I'm going to join in with your bitterness. I'm going to agree with your bitterness. But see, then as it grows in you, grace was not available because it wasn't your offense. I'm not saying you can't get over it. But listen, when someone offends you, the, the, the same time they're offending you, grace is there. And you can get rid of it by taking the grace of God. 
<laughs> Come on, someone's offending you. I, man, I got grace to get over this. I don't feel like getting over this. I don't want to get over this. I'd like for them to get theirs. But I'm not going to hold on to it because I don't have time for roots of bitterness. I ain't got time for it. Amen. Everybody say, everybody say this. Say, I will not fail the grace of God. And then Jude 4 says this, for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before the old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So sometimes you can tell when someone has, they think they understand grace, but they're living in and practicing sin, they have turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. Lascivious just means wild, unrestrained living. So, and if someone says, well, you know what, God made me this way because by the grace of God, I am what I am. That's a misappropriate use of scripture. It's talking about serving grace. It's not talking about sinning. There is no grace to sin. There is no grace to sin. Right? There is no grace to sin. There's not a wink and a nod at sinning. The body of Christ may be doing it now. Winking and nodding, saying it's okay. But it'll never be okay with God. There's no grace to sin. There's grace to live free from sin. And, and when, when we okay sin, we're, we're saying that we're, we, what we're agreeing with is turning grace into lasciviousness. And everybody in the room say, I don't agree <laughs> with turning grace into lasciviousness. All right, now you ready to be encouraged? Let's look, at, let's, let's look at some encouraging things. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter. But you can handle the other stuff, right? You can handle it, right? Because we're ready to grow up, right? You come to Cornerstone to grow up, don't you? To get the word of God, to get a filet instead of a cube steak. Right? All right. So let's look at this. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. It says, but grow in grace. What? I thought grace was what it was. Well, no, the Bible says you can grow in it. And in the knowledge, oh, that might have something to do with it. So I have to have knowledge of what grace makes available. In the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory now and forever. So I've got to determine that I'm going to grow in grace. How do you grow in grace? Knowledge. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. My people perish because they don't get knowledge about grace, what God has made available, and how to receive it. Again, it's not just about what's available. You have to receive it. How do you receive it? The only way to receive it is by faith. The only way you have access to it is by faith. The only way, so, so if my grace grows and my, the proportion of my faith grows at the same time to grab a hold of that grace, I'm going to explode in the growth and, and receiving all the promises of God that are yes and amen. So I want to grow my grace at the same time I'm growing my faith because my, ac my faith accesses this growing grace in my life. Everybody say, I'm growing in grace. And how do you grow in knowledge? Well, knowledge comes from hearing and hearing the word of God just like faith comes. So how does knowledge come? Well, I'm going to study the word of God. I'm going to read it. I'm going to study it. Some people need to start at reading. You know, people say, well, you need to study. Well, if you never read, you should read first. Then you should study at the same time. Um, uh, I got a good idea. There's a thing called daily bread. Do that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right. Uh, 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 let's look at this. We, we mentioned it already, but let's look at James chapter 4. 
verse 6, and we'll look at 6 through 10. This is talking about standing grace, but I want, I want you to see this. But he gives, James 4, 6. But he gives, James 4, 6. But he gives, he gives. I thought there was just a, a tablespoon available for everybody. No. Obviously, there's more. So you're walking in the current grace in salvation, in serving, in living, and in finances that you want right now. Pastor, I thought you said it was going to be encouraging. I'm encouraging you. Get more grace. Get more grace. Get more grace. How do you get more grace? Well, see part one. Grow in it. See part two. Access it by faith. Talk about it. I... I'm receiving the grace of God. The eyes of my understanding are being enlightened to the grace of God. Lord, show me what you've done for me. I pray the eyes of my understanding would be lightened. I pray that I would know the hope. A lot of people look at it different, but I like the King James, your calling. Everybody think it's talking about my calling. You can't have a calling until you understand his calling. You got to understand everything that Jesus has done before you can even begin to understand what you're supposed to do. So your calling's wrapped up in his calling. And when you understand everything he's done and what he's currently doing, then he said he gives more grace. Wherefore, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Well, humble doesn't mean worthless. Humble doesn't mean, uh, you know, 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 there's fake uh, humility. This is, well, I'm nothing. I'm just a sinner. No, real humility, all it means is I can do nothing on my own. I'm not going to pretend I can. I'm not going to act like I can. Everything that I can only do, I, 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 I don't know much on my own. I can't be much on my own. I, I, can't, I don't have the strength to do it on my own, but I'm not on my own. I'm in him. I'm in him. I've been made righteous in him. I'm accepted in him. I can know all things through him. And so what, what am I doing? I, I'm going to humble myself and realize it's, humility is not weakness. Humility is actually the strongest thing you can do. And you can say, listen, I cannot do this on my own, but I'm going to come under you. And I'm going to humble myself under your mighty hand. So God gives grace to who? But who does he resist? You've, you've heard me say this. You know, who do, what does God do? He stiff arms the proud. He stiff arms them, you know, like the great Walter Payton. Anyway, let's read on. Uh, Submit yourselves therefore unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near unto God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning. Let your joy to heaviness. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. So in that, well, see, Pastor, we're supposed to be mourning. No, that's talking about people who are living in and practicing sin. You, you shouldn't be happy about practicing sin. You shouldn't be happy about yielding to the devil. Because it's, it's, it's talking about humble yourself, and God gives grace to the humble. Then it says resist the devil. But what does the devil, come, one of the main things he comes to do is to tempt you to sin, to tempt me to sin. And then it says, so we're not going to live there. But instead, we're going to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. And just like he told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. 
But what do I got to do? I got to humble myself. But again, what, 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 what's God, as you humble yourself, what's God looking to give you? More grace. What's God looking to give you? More grace. Everybody say this. I receive more and more and more and more grace. What kind of grace? Well, this is talking about standing grace, but receive more understanding of your salvation so that you can walk in healing. Receive more understanding of of God wanting to protect you in the hour that we live in. You don't have to be afraid. I'm walking in grace. I'm walking in the grace of God. It's part of my salvation. Now, how am I going to get it? If I begin to be afraid or I begin to look around and I begin to look confounded, what am I doing? I'm frustrating the grace of God. I'm I'm receiving the grace of God in faith. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to humble myself under God's mighty hand. And then he's going to give me, he's going to exalt me right now. He's going to exalt me. He's going to take his hand and he's going to pull me up. And in his grace, I'm going to stand. And what what else is happening at the same time? I'm getting uh, more and more grace, more and more of God's ability in my life. Come on, say it again. Say, I'm receiving more and more grace. Woo, hallelujah. Again, in 1 Peter 5 and 5, it says it gives grace to the humble. It gives, so listen, any kind of grace, this is particularly talking about standing grace, but anytime you want more grace besides getting knowledge, one of the keys is humbling yourself. Wow, let's just pray that, that the Lord would humble the body of Christ, would humble everybody. That's not the Lord's job. That's religious, it's a religious prayer, but it's not a word prayer. You have to humble yourself. Well, I just believe God will humble them. No, you're hoping God will knock the, the, the snot out of them. That's what you're hoping for, but that's not, that has nothing to do with humility. That's worldly humility thinking. Humility is just realizing I can't do this on my own. I need you. Come on. Have you figured it out yet? Do you, God is smarter than you. He's smarter than all of us put together. When he calls us my little children, it's not, a, it's not just a little cute thing. It's because we are. And, and, and yet, he's made things available for us to walk in. And I'm telling you, you can grow in grace. I'm telling you, you can grow an understanding of your salvation. You can grow an understanding of serving God and all that he has for you. You can, you can grow in, in, the, uh, in the blessing part of this grace. He became poor. You can, become, you, can, you can grow in living in God where you're not under condemnation and fear because you're living free. You can grow in this grace. You can grow in this. How do you do it? One of the ways to do it is humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Hebrews 4.16 says, let, uh, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Hallelujah. How are we supposed to come? How are we supposed to go get grace? Weak and wimpy? No. What does that mean then? It's available. It's available. Come get it. Come on. The dinner bell is ringing. Come get it. You don't have to beg for it. You just got to come get it. Ask for it. Let us come boldly through the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of your need. So what's the answer for a need? Grace. What's the answer for a need? Grace. Why? Because it's already been done. Salvation's already been done. Anything you have. In other words, what he's saying, whatever you have need of, I've already made available to you in my grace. And if you don't like it like that, just cut. it's a finished work. It's done. Salvation, everything is done. But, but he, he's using it as a term of the writer, uh, which we, you know, most people believe is Paul here by the Holy Ghost, is saying that, listen, 
Listen, there, there is the, 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 all that I've been made available to you. All you got to do is come and receive it and receive this grace and that you can, so you can obtain the mercy. And, but you, whatever you have need, whatever you got to need, grace is the answer for it. But how do you get grace? Well, I'm coming and asking, and then I'm receiving that grace through faith. You won't come to the throne of grace if you don't have faith. If you feel condemned, if you feel unworthy. So, so this all works together. Again, grace provides, but faith receives. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody say, I'm coming boldly. <laughs> say it again. Say, I'm coming boldly. I'm coming to receive the grace I need in this time. 2 Timothy 2.1 says, Therefore, uh, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace. Be strong in the grace. Come on, can you see for this hour why God is saying you and I, come on, you need to be strong right now. But not in your own strength. Not with willpower, with God power. Be strong in the grace. Be strong in the grace. Well, I, you know, Pastor, I think we got to be careful because people are, are misinterpreting what grace is today. We've covered that. But you can't, don't throw that away. Don't, don't avoid this. You got to receive the truth of it. The Bible says, be strong in the grace. Everybody say it again. Say, I'm strong in the grace. Woo, hallelujah. That is in Christ Jesus. Acts 4.33. And with great power. Come on. <laughs> And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection. Gave wit what? How in the world do you give witness of the resurrection? What is the resurrection? We, you know, we call it Easter, but resurrection Sunday, which is not, you know, every every day ought to be resurrection day. Hallelujah! Have you been raised up? Has Jesus been raised up? You've been raised up together with Him. So, what's the point of this? With great power. With great power, gave witness of the resurrection. What's given witness? What, what's a witness say? Uh, uh, the witness says uh, he's alive. But how do you give witness? You do the same things that Jesus did when he was walking on the planet. How many know he's still alive? And he's victorious. And he's seated at the right hand of God. And all his work is done. Now what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to give witness of the resurrection. What is witness of the resurrection? It's a demonstration of the power of God. How did that happen? And great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace and great grace and great grace was upon them all. What is that? That grace brings forth the power of God, not just to stand against the devil, not just to bless you, not just so you can live good and, and enjoy your salvation, but also has the connotation of that's how you see miracles. That's how you see the power of God because it's already done. It's all, we, we are cooperating with the grace of God, the same grace that was on Jesus himself. And the, and the spirit of grace is there to confirm it Oh, glory to God and great grace. Everybody say, great grace is on us all. Hallelujah. And then last week we looked at this. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7, it says, Therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. And then 2 Corinthians 9, 14 says, And by their prayer for you, which long after you, for the exceeding grace of God in you. So that's talking about grace to be rich. 
But this grace, all kinds of grace should do what? It should abound in you. It should abound in you. And uh, it's, it should be exceeding in you. This, everybody say, the grace of God is abounding in me. Say, the grace of God is exceeding in me. So the Bible, as you see, and maybe I should have done this in two parts, but um, as you can see, there's, there's things to warn us, but then there's things to tell us that this is, this is what grace, this is what's available to you. This is available to you, that you should be growing in grace, that you should be abounding in grace. This, the, grace should be exceeding in you. That This grace uh, that you, it, it'll fix what you have need of. This is available to you. And again, you access it by faith. And you have it, according to Romans 12 and 6, in the proportion of your faith. And it's how you, you know how to do it because you got saved that way. By grace, through faith. Which one is the most important? Yes. Yes. Without grace, there's really not much need for faith. Because your faith is accessing something that's already done by grace. Come on, it's finished. His grace offers. And as you grow in grace and grow in knowledge, and then you grow in faith at the same time, you're accessing everything that God has for you. What will that do? It'll cause you to enjoy every part of your salvation. Hallelujah. It'll, it'll cause you to be healed, walk in health. It'll cause you to be protected. It'll cause you to be blessed. Salvation will just open up to you because that's a grace that's been offered that you're receiving by faith. I mean, you're going to live free. Sin is not going to have any hold on you because you're living, this grace is living in you. When the devil comes against you, you're going to stand against him in the grace of God. You're going to resist, see everywhere. It's by grace through faith. Because how do you resist the devil? You humble yourself. What do you do? You receive grace. And then what do you do? You resist him steadfast in the faith. It's both. It's both. It's both. It's both. It's both. Right? Grace to be rich. <laughs> Come on. Jesus is the one that decided to become poor so that you could become rich. And it's a grace. 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. What do you got to do? I'm going to receive that grace. I'm not going to frustrate it. I, I, I'm not going to think it's all me. I'm going to think it's all him. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm gonna, I know it's all him. 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 And you see, then when I tithe and when I give, it's a corresponding action. I'm not trying to get God to do anything. He's already done his thing. In faith, I tithe because it's my corresponding action. Because I believe. I believe what he did on the cross. I believe it. It's my corresponding action. 
It shows that I believe what he did. I give offerings. I know he gives bread, uh, seed to the sower, bread to the eater, but it's all done because on the cross, Jesus became poor. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So I'm going to receive it, and I'm going to walk in it. Hallelujah. And I'm going to serve him. And this just isn't preacher grace. Come on, I told you, I'm going to remind you again. This grace will work on Monday morning. And you ought to be working in grace on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and, and not just on Sunday when you're, or when you're serving the Lord or Wednesday when you're serving. Yes, you should absolutely do that. You should get used to cooperating with that part of the grace of God on your life. But if all this is is preacher grace, then, then you get to 95% or more of the body of Christ get to do whatever they want. They decide whatever they want to do how they want to do it and then at the judgment seat of Christ it's kind of up in the air no everybody's been given an assignment I don't know why that's always the weakest part why is that the weakest part all the time don't be afraid of it and it, well, I'm afraid if I start working, he's going to make me preach. He won't if you don't want to do it. Well, I didn't want to do it either, but okay, maybe he will. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's wrong. Well, or, or, you know, he's going to make you move to China or something. But you got to do something. Don't leave that part of you. If you leave it on Sunday untouched, then I don't know how you're going to get to it on Monday. But I guarantee if you start doing and keep doing, those of you who are doing, you know, around here, everybody's doing. You're doing. But if you keep doing, but don't just leave it here. When you walk out the door, leave your grace. You know, when you take off your parking lot jacket, don't leave your grace behind with it. When you take off your usher shirt, don't leave it behind. When you take off, do they still, do they still wear the aprons in the nursery? When you take off your apron, don't leave the grace with it. When you get off the, the, the platform, don't leave your grace here. Take it with you on Monday morning. Well, it's different. No, it's same, same. It, it, it applies different. It comes out different. But if you start working in that grace, like you serve God in that grace, good things will happen. Because you know the difference of when you try to do something on your own or when God's doing it through you. It'll change everything. I said it'll change everything. I said it'll change everything. We hope you were inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Madison. We believe God is working within you and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.